0: Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll read verses 15 through 18, then we'll have a short word of prayer. So Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to gather this morning. We ask your blessing on the adult Bible study. Be with the Sunday school classes downstairs as well. Meet with them in a very real and powerful way, the students and the teachers pray your blessing on the morning worship service to follow and also the junior church. And We pray, Lord, that all that we do today and say would bring honor and glory to you. And again, we always, Lord, thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your mercy and for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we continue in our study of this trilogy of of faith love, and hope that we find in Paul's writings. So if you just uh, read on your handout, if you would, as we continue to reflect upon Paul's letters to the local churches and the trilogy of faith, hope, and love that Paul encouraged those early believers to strive after, we're looking today at the characteristic of hope. So throughout the history of the church, believers have come to realize that this world is not our home. Rather, they view themselves as strangers and aliens passing through. So our real hope is found in heaven. Colossians says, if you notice on your handout, Since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. So that's the topic today. We want to talk about hope, and uh, you know, people put their hope in a lot of things. Like, for instance, what what do people put their hope in? I mean, as far as non-Christian things, or some people kind of go through life just life just kind of hopeless, right? They they don't know what's coming. But what do people put their hope in? Finances, the government. That's the last place you want to put your hope. I was thinking about that this morning, as I was, and we'll kind of get into this in this lesson. I was thinking about that. That's true, a lot of people do put their hope in the government, but think about Christians that live in like, nations where they're under really heavy communistic rule. They, they certainly, the government doesn't even play into it. You know, that's the last place they put their hope in because the governments want to shut them down. Uh, so it's kind of isn't it strange uh like in, a, in our culture here lots of people they put their hope in government and you know governments come governments go governments change anyhow finances uh, hold on what did you say peace what do you mean what do you mean by that The hope that there's peace on earth, yeah, but they lose hope because there is no peace on earth. <laughs> so that's the problem, isn't it true too? Though you know, you you, you read about um, or you see like could be contemporary, uh, like for instance, in the news this past week, it's the anniversary of the uh, when the famous singer John Lennon was shot dead in New York, and so. Uh, people think about all of all of that, and he would sing and wrote a song, which said. Well, he wrote many songs, but one of the songs that he wrote was "All You Need Is Love." Well, and I don't mean any disrespect to the fact that he was shot and killed, but it's apparent that you need more than love, or else he wouldn't have gotten shot and killed. But on the other hand, too, as Christians, uh, I, or I, I just think of of. of either modern entertainers or people are looking for a utopian type of a society. That's what Jesus offers. Jesus offers a world in which mankind uh, lives in an atmosphere of love and peace and harmony. And that's what we have waiting for us. That's our inheritance. And yet people can't for many reasons, they don't put their hope in Christ. So anyhow, we've heard a few things. P, uh, a hope for peace. People hope put their hope in their finances. People put their hope in their government. What else? Anything else you can think of? Yes. Huh? People put their hope in their toys. In their toys? Well, sometimes. Like, I, got, I bought this old camper. I'm just hoping it gets from point A to point B. I don't know, I have no hope in my camper. I've, I think I've come to realize that old campers are like old boats. They're just holes in the water or holes in the ground and you keep throwing money uh, in, in, into it. So, yeah. so somebody else back here said something, yeah? Their selves and their abilities. Yes, themselves and their abilities, yeah, that's true. Yeah, their talents, right? What else, you got yes? Those who believe in false gods and stuff, they, they might have a little hope, like they believe they're going to be reincarnated and stuff like that. But if they don't believe in God, it, there's absolutely no room for hope, except nowadays they think they have hope in technology. They're going to melt the technology forever. So hope for that. Yeah, somebody told me the other day that uh, Walt Disney had his body frozen, hopefully, hoping that one day he could be resurrected. And then I thought, he was an old man when he died. Who'd want to be resurrected in that body? You know. <laughs> but yeah, false religions. We'll talk a little bit about that. Yes, Adam. Uh, I would say people people have hope people they surround themselves with friend groups. True. That's true. Yes, Mike. Self help. Huh? Self-help. Self. Yep. Yeah, religion. it was kind of mentioned before that. Yeah, in their self. Any other? Yes. Yep, plan their futures. And why do people lose hope? Because they don't achieve. Huh? I said because they don't achieve. They don't achieve what they set out for, so they get discouraged, they lose hope. Yeah, those are, those are, dis- those are really <laughs> discouraging words, right? When you hear something say, like, there's no hope. Like, like in a tragedy, a plane goes down, there's no hope for survival. Yes, Dennis? I think they let circumstances dictate their life. Yes. Yeah, that's why people lose hope. Circumstances. Because circumstances change. What else? Why do people lose hope? Yes. Well, I think they're putting hope in things that are constantly changing. Yes. Our hope is in something that's constant. True. Good. These are all good. Yes, Frank. The big thing is you, you can't control those things have hope in any of the things that were mentioned there's so many things that can change there is no hope right so that kind of like we talked a little bit about that, some of those things that were mentioned so people put all these plans in place they put their hopes in all these plans that all everything is going to get laid out exactly like they think it's going to get laid out and then all of a sudden things change and then they lose hope Yeah. anything else any other reasons people lose hope Yes? I was going to say people could lose hope because maybe they had plans, great plans, and things like in the future that they want to do and whatever, and then their health fails, and they can't do those things. Right? Okay. Anybody else? Well, look at chapter 2 in Ephesians. Look at verse 11 chapter 2. So you already saw this introduction here in, in Ephesians. And uh, we saw there in verse 18 of chapter 1 that Paul writes to the church in Ephesus that you may know what the hope of your calling is. Now look in chapter 2, it says here, the verses, beginning verse 11. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now, I think when it says there, and he's talking primarily about Gentiles, when it says they had no hope, um, I think the people in that day had hope in things like we've talked about. But when Paul says they had no hope, meaning that that which you were trusting in was really an empty hope. And I want you to see that in, in the lesson uh, today. So um, false hopes, lose hope, manufactured hope, all of these things. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, and he, and he says to the church in Ephesus here, listen, he says, you're not as those that have no hope. Now, notice this too on your handout, just kind of by way of introduction. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica. I think, I'm pretty sure, 1 Thessalonians is his first epistle. He says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. So, he writes to them, they the address to the church in Thessalonica is a little different than when he wrote to the church in Ephesus. And there's kind of a specific reason that he writes to the church, two specific reasons that he writes to the church in Thessalonica, and he says to them, you're not as others that have no hope. We talked a little bit about it last week, what took place in Thessalonica. So he's got to write back to the church there, and he's got to kind of specifically encourage them because of a couple of things that are happening there. We're going to see as we get back to the letter to the church in Ephesus, that's more of a generalized statement. I hope you understand what I'm saying there. Anyway, For those of you that, that can think about the book of First and Second Thessalonians, there's two issues that's happening in Thessalonica that Paul has to deal with when he writes back to them a reason that all of a sudden the Christians there might be losing hope. Anybody know what those two issues might be, or one of those issues? Why were they sometimes losing hope? When think about the, the whole idea of what what I to talk about, and I, I know that I'm kind of throwing this out at you. Maybe if you, we had time, you could read through 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. Um, And you'd probably pick it up. But if you remember, anybody want to take a shot at it? Two reasons they might have. Yes? They lost their love for the Lord. No, that does happen sometimes in churches. And I think that's, uh, maybe Frank, that's what Paul might have been worried about. Um, You know, last week we talked a lot about the faith of the church in Thessalonica. And, uh, you know, they had a, an established faith, they had a comforting faith, uh, they were a church that, that lacked faith in some areas, every church does. But there was, there's two specific issues that Paul deals with. Okay, one of the issues that we talked about last week was the persecution of that church. And um, these are idol-worshiping cultures, and if you remember from last week, and we don't have time this morning, but if we were to turn to the book of... Acts, I think it's Acts chapter 17, when Paul was there preaching in that church, he was kind of chased out of that city by the Jews. And they didn't like the fact that he was preaching the gospel. But the, the, the believers in Thessalonica that accepted the Lord as their Savior, and they turned, it says, I think it's in 1 it Thessalonians chapter 1, they turned from idols to serve the living God, It had an economic impact on their lives. There were trade unions. You had to be a member of the trade union to work. The trade unions had an allegiance to the gods that they worshipped. So you had to have an allegiance to the god. If you didn't have that allegiance to the god, you couldn't work. So you were kicked out, out of your job. So they were facing this kind of persecution. It was in Thessalonica that they took I think it was Jason out and they, I think they beat him. Um, So there was a lot of persecution there and Paul wrote to them encouraging them, you know, during their time of persecution. But then something else was happening and there was a question that they had and it had to do with Christians who were dying. Anybody now? That's kind of my hint. There were Christians that were dying, and, and they were concerned about that. Yes? That's true, but that wasn't an issue particularly there. The question they had there is they expected Jesus to be back any day. And their question is, we're dying. What's happening to the Christians that are dying? And Paul had to answer that question. Jesus, he said, he, he's, listen, I don't want you to lose hope. He says, but yeah, Christians are dying. Uh, and Jesus, Jesus is coming back. He's not coming back as soon as you thought. And um, that was the issue that Paul writes to them about. You know, to be, and he would, he would say in other books, like, for instance, in 1 Corinthians, to be absent from the body would be to be, pre- to be present with the Lord. But the church in Thessalonica, they were new believers. The church is brand new. People are getting saved. People are dying. on are saying, wait a minute, we thought Jesus was coming back. And now people are dying. What happens to them? Now, for you and I, we, we think, well, that's kind of a pretty elementary question. But that's because Christianity is 2,000 years old. <laughs> the church in Thessalonica, it wasn't 2,000 years old. Paul's epistles are all the answer to all of these questions of the early church and then to comfort believers as time goes by. In 2 Thessalonians, he uses these words there. He talks about being not soon shaken in mind. Because someone had said, well, Paul wrote this letter, and this letter, da 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 And Paul said, I didn't write any letter. There, What you're talking about is, no, 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 no. Don't listen to these things. So Jesus is coming back, but as a believer, when you die... You, know, you you'll go to be with the Lord, and he's saying, listen, you're not like others with no hope. So he deals with that, he deals with that subject, subject there. Now, the challenge in Ephesus with regards to hope was a different challenge than Thessalonica. In a previous lesson, I mentioned that there were three beachhead churches in the New Testament, in the early days of the New Testament. One of those was the church in Jerusalem. One was the church in Antioch, where Paul was sent out of. And the other is the church in Ephesus. These are three really very important churches. The church in Ephesus was important because of where it was located. People coming and going and on the trade routes there. Look, look uh, on the back of your handout, Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19 is part of, of when Paul was there in, in Ephesus. But when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannius. And this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. So Paul is there in Ephesus for two years. And he's teaching there. The Apostle John had previously, I think John probably started the church in Ephesus. So there's been some really thorough teaching that's going on in Ephesus. And um, Paul spent a lot of time there. So we're in when he writes to the church in Thessalonica, he's dealing with a couple of specific issues. When he's writing to the church in Ephesus, he's dealing with a more generalized sense of the faith. And I want you to see that what he's saying is, this is what you need to put your hope in. So the book of Ephesus, unlike the, or Ephesians, unlike the book of 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, is what's sometimes referred to as a circular letter. A circular letter. Well, what, what would I mean by that, a circular letter? meant to be uh, passed around. It was meant to be passed around. Because again, there you have the church in Ephesus is a beachhead. And if I had, I probably should have got a map and put it up on the screen, and you would have seen the location of it. And so people are coming to and from Ephesus. John's taught and preached in Ephesus. Paul's been there for, I think he would end up spending a total of three years altogether there. So there's a lot of teaching and preaching going on. And then Christians are leaving, and they're going around to the surrounding towns and cities, and churches are being established. That's why it's called a a, uh, beachhead type of a church. So this letter would be passed around. Now all the letters, of course, would be passed around, but this this more so than others. And then in Ephesus, if you noticed, you have I have on my handout two things there. I have God-centered and God's centered. So in Ephesus, you have a large Jewish population. That's the God's or the God-centered population. But then, even within the God-centered population in Ephesus, you have two groups of Jews. You have what would be called uh, Hebraic Jews, and you have Hellenistic Jews. Anybody know the difference between those two groups? Two different, they're they're Jewish, but they're different groups, Hellenistic and Hebraic. Take a guess. Well, not so much the Greek philosophers and gods, but you're right on track. The whole Greek culture, where so <clears throat> I don't know if this would really be the right word. They have a more secular view of of the world um, versus the Hebraic Jews, which would be more tied to Israel and to the law and, and things of that nature. So that makes sense. You understand what I'm saying? All right, so in Ephesus, you have these two groups. Now, most of the Hebraic Jews, they rejected Christ or Paul's teaching, but most of the Hellenistic or many of the Hellenistic Jews did not. They embraced Christianity. So you had those two groups there. Book of Acts talks about them as well. i to go back to that book. So that's one issue that Paul has to deal with there in, in those times that he's there. But then it's a very God-centered culture as well. So what is that? A gods-centered culture, huh? Yeah. So who would that be? That is true, because that would be all. That would be people who were not Jewish, who were Gentiles, who were idol worshippers. So there's all of that going on there. So you understand? I'm saying this in Ephesus. There's all kinds of things that are happening there, and Paul is just preaching there and teaching about the one true living God, the Lord Jesus Christ. So he has to deal with all of that, and he deals with that, and you see a lot of that really in the book of Ephesians. So remember, the whole theme of this is hope. And um, when he writes, again, look in chapter 1, these first verses that we read. Look what he says here in verses 15 again. Now, all of these things that we've just talked about. He says to them, wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith. So he understands, we understand that these are people of faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints. So there in the church in Ephesus, it seems as if they're, they've got the faith thing going. They've got the love thing going. And then he stops for a minute there. And he says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. And then he says this, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling. So you see a little difference there? He says, you've got the faith thing. You've got the love thing. But it says, now, the hope that you have to have, the hope that you need to maintain your walk with the Lord. Because that's the theme of all of this. A church's walk with the Lord. Are you walking as a church in faith? Are you walking as a church in love? And are, are you walking as a church, when I say as a church, I mean both as a body of believers and individually, are you walking with that hope? And now Ephesians says, now if you're going to walk in hope, these are the things that you need to have your hope in. Because just as many of you mentioned some reasons why people lose hope, whether you're a believer or whether you're a non-believer, a sense of losing hope can penetrate our lives. Right? I mean, just think of this last election. If If you're a conservative... Your hopes were built up that, man, the liberals were going to take a beating in this election and that the Senate was going to be controlled by the Republicans and that the House of Representatives, and none of that happened. I I don't want to get into the whole political thing about why it didn't happen or why it did happen. I'm just saying that many people that was all built built up, built up, built up, built up, built up, built up, and people's hopes were dashed. Long as it's not a political thing. I'm just using that as an example. I don't want to get into why it did or it didn't happen. I just don't want to, I just, the point is, the point isn't why it did happen or why it didn't happen. My point is, people got their hopes built up, built up, built up, built up, built up, built up, and they were dashed. And now, what are we gonna do? Is the world gonna come to an end? No, this world's not gonna come to an end, but go ahead. Right. Well, we need to look to well here's here's what we're gonna look at. You're you're right on, but here and that's what people people are trying to think. Well, now what? So Paul writes this and he says, This is this is what you need to base your hope in. So I know there seems to be a lot here on the basis of our hope and the blessings of our hope, but we're gonna go through this quickly. And I'm just look look, for instance, in chapter one now in verses one through four, he talks about election. So remember, there was a, in verse number 15 of chapter 1, there's a wherefore. Never there's a wherefore, you need, to re, you need to go back why it's there. Because he's just, Paul has just taken these first 14 verses, and he's taken these first 14 verses, and he is now, that's the wherefore. Because of these first 14 verses, now our hope needs to be enlightened, And then we'll see in chapter 2, because of these several verses, this is why you're not to be a people of no hope. So he says this, if you're going to be a people of hope, this is why. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus, to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's his introduction. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Well, by the way, if you're just a reader of that, that ought to start to build your hope right there. Amen? Amen. That we've been blessed by the Lord. Then he says, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So he's dealing with the the, the theology or the the doctrine of election there. And he just kind of stops there, and then he moves on a little bit to... Or or the second part of verse 4... That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So really, in just one verse, I've always marveled that this one of the reasons we that for me the evidence is that this is the word of God, uh, the inspired word of God, is I don't think, in fact, I know there's never been a book written where so little, so few words can say so many things. In one verse, the, the doctrine of election and the doctrine of sanctification is brought up. You get that in verse 4? He hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that's election, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That's sanctification. In the next verse, he deals with predestination. He having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. A couple of verses later, he talks about redemption. Verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood their forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Look at verses 9 through 10. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he may gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. He deals with the topic of unification, the church being unified, the church in prospect. And in verses 13 through 14, he deals with the topic of preservation. In whom after you trusted, after that you he heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. So in 14 verses, he deals with these topics, but he deals with them by just mentioning them. And as I thought about this, so... Let me backtrack. How long did Paul spend in, in Ephesus? How many years? Two, years? Two years. He's writing now back from Rome, back to the believers in Ephesus. Well, I thought to myself, why? And if been in Ethan's, Pastor Ethan's Sunday morning has basically been going through the book of Romans, he's been touching on each of these topics. Because the book of Romans expounds upon these topics. So. When Paul writes there, as I'm thinking about this, and he's reminding them, listen, if you're, don't lose hope because, because I spent two years there teaching you about election. I spent two years there teaching you about sanctification and predestination and redemption and unification and preservation, all of these things. So in my mind, when he writes back to them, what he's doing is he's reminding them You understand what I'm saying? He's reminding them, each of these verses, we spent time, don't lose hope, I spent time with you preaching and teaching to you about these topics. Do you understand what I'm saying there? Either either shake your head or go like this, do something. All right. (laughs) So, in other words, that's the point of the local church. The local church is to build people up in the faith. So when, you know, you hear something and then you've sat under the teaching and preaching of it, just a few words can cause you to, for instance, on Wednesday night, Ethan started teaching a series out of the book of Daniel. And so he was making mention of things as we looked in Daniel. And so he was getting comments from everybody that was here. The only reason that you could get comments from everybody that was here is because the people who were here by and large had already a a, a number of times, what were you going to say, Jim? Yeah, it spent time in Daniel, reading You're on your own and being preached to and taught the book of Daniel. So when Ethan is saying, what do you think about this? And what do you think about this? And what do you think about this? You as a church were able to come back and say, well, I believe this. And I think Daniel might've said this and this, and so on and so forth. Well, it's the same thing when we read the scriptures. if we're to be a people of hope, it's because we've sat under the preaching. and We sat under the teaching of God's word. And we've been in the scriptures for ourselves. And so those times when, for instance, maybe we do put our hope in in something other than we ought to, and we kind of lose hope, we go back to the Scriptures. And wait a minute, these are what the Scriptures say. This is why I have hope. This is the basis of our hope, the Word of God, and the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. That's why when Paul wrote back to them, he says, "...that you may know what is the hope of his calling." Remember, I taught you about election. I talked to you about pres- uh, all of these things that I've got listed here for you in these verses. And then he, he continues in the next chapter. What about, what about you know, the blessings of this hope that we have? And by the way, that's why, for instance, in 1 Peter chapter 3, and verse 15, Peter says this, Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh for the hope that is in you. How, the only way that we can give an answer to those that are around us is that we know what the Word of God says for ourselves. That we know what these doctrines are and these truths are that are found here in God's Word. And that, 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 that comes as we build up our faith. That comes in the more, the stronger that our faith is, the, the, the greater our hope is. Amen. And at least for me, you know, and so, and so that's, that, so when all of a sudden we're going through life, and, and, and bam, life hits us, and something that many people might lose hope, they go back to the word of God, and, um, you know, that gets us through it, you know, it's just uh, coming up, it'll be two years this February that my mom went to be with the Lord, and Oh, the ten days that I spent with her when she went into hospice, and her she wanted to die at home, those were difficult ten days. In some ways, they were in some ways they were beautiful, a beautiful time. But in other ways, and circumstances that arose, they became probably the most difficult time of my life. And I, and what got me through it was just every morning. In a word of God, and on my hands and knees before God. And, um, because that's our hope. He's in the truths of God's word. Then the blessings of hope. Look at what it says in verse two. So he says, and you have he quickened. We have new life in Christ. We were dead in our sin and our trespasses. Why should we have hope? Because we have new life. We're going to live forever. Amen. You know, we're going to take a step from this life and one step, boom, we're into all of eternity. And then we have, not only do we have new life, but we have a new nature. Wherein in time past, verse 2, according to the course of this world, according to the praise and the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others, that, but then he starts, Ah, oh, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. So we have, we have a new nature. We have a new position, verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ. We were once out of Christ, now we're in Christ. We had an old life, we have a new life. We had an old nature, we have a new nature. He's raised us up in verse 6. made us sit together in heavenly places. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. The ages to come, this is like an eternal thing. I mean, when you wake up each day and you think just how good God has been to us, that he saved us and the blessings of God and really what we're experiencing here in this world right now, it's not even the tip of the iceberg to what awaits us. I just, I was having this discussion with some of the fellows who, some months ago. I don't think we really have any idea of heaven. I mean, we get such a small glimpse of it. But I think when we get there, we're just, we'll, in fact, I know we'll just be blown away by the, by it all. And maybe, you know, we just see, now we look through a, gl- a glass darkly. I think that's how that verse goes. I think if we knew the, we knew the whole thing, we, we couldn't handle it. we would kind to of melt, you know, like it would just be too much for us. And so Paul writes here, he says, listen, be a people of hope because of, of chapter one, all of these doctrines that I've taught you about. In chapter two, there's hope that we have. We have a new purpose. Verses seven through 10, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness towards us through Christ Jesus for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. We don't ever have to worry about earning our salvation. Jesus did it for us. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Look at verse 10 our new purpose. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wow. And then lastly, we have a new identity. Wherefore, remember that ye being in in past Gentiles in the flesh who are called the uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at the time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are sometimes afar off, he's not talking about geographically there. He's talking spiritually. Sometimes you were were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. He is our peace. So the basis of our hope, all of these doctrines, Paul said, that I've taught you, the blessings of our hope, it's all laid out for us here. Wherefore, there is neither Greek or Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, But Christ is all and in all. The hope that we have in Christ. So be a people of hope. Don't let all the circumstances and difficulties of life ever... And and they do. Again, we're human. We still still battle our old nature. Sometimes they'll knock us down. We can get pretty discouraged. But raise up your hopes in the things of God's... The promises of God's word and in your salvation... And no matter what's going on around you, our hope, what is the old hymn? Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Amen. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but holy trust in Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, bless the morning worship service. We're thankful, Lord, that you are our hope. Our hope is in you. And uh, we're so glad for that. So, Lord, we pray that we would live as a people of hope. Build our faith, Lord. Help us to build our faith. As our faith grows, our hope grows. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You could also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.